Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Alcantara, Soroka, you look so good in Boca. Peralta, Manoa, Balsak, Ferrer, Rinola, Gilito, Castillo, Yoshida, Friday and welcome in to Fantasy Baseball Today. Frank Stample joined by Chris Towers and today's show is all over the place. I asked you, the people, what do you want to hear throughout the All-Star break and I got a bunch of answers and so hopefully we are delivering on what you wanted. Which closers could be traded leading up to the trade deadline? Pitchers with potential innings caps Sell high options, category targets. I don't know if we'll get to all of it, but hopefully we will. Uh, similarly to our previous two podcasts, we're recording this in advance, so bear with us if we talk about anyone who happens to get hurt. Hopefully no one gets hurt because we want everyone to stay healthy. And uh, hopefully when you're listening or watching this, I'm in a food coma somewhere in Aruba with a cocktail in my hand, enjoying life. Chris, I know that you're also headed out on vacation. Where are you headed? Uh, well, when when people are watching this, I'll be, I'll be back home. Oh, you're back. All uh, right. But... Yeah. Earlier in the week, I am going to Cooperstown for the first time, going to go see the National and then going to the National Baseball Hall of Fame for the first time. So very excited for both of those things. And uh, yeah, getting uh, getting out of the city for a couple of days. That'll be nice. Staying on a lake. Maybe I'll rent a kayak. I've never gone on a kayak, so I probably (laughs) won't. I'm lazy. But, you know, I'll have the option. I've never been to Cooperstown either. So, hmm. I've got to make it out. I would love to see it. And by the way, the National, I guess, whatever, just free advertising. I never heard of them, but Chris said they're dad rock. So if you're into One that. of my favorite bands in the world. So very excited. If, if the National want to sponsor the podcast, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm here. Feel free. All right. Testimonials. Let's jump into the closer carousel. And I think you did a little bit of this with Scott while I was out, Chris. I know you guys did a mailbag and talking about which closers could be on the move and who those replacements might look like. Mm-hmm. But, you know, a few things have changed since, th- since then. Some teams have performed better. Some teams have gotten worse. So let's kind of run through some of these teams. And I think the most obvious one is the Cubs with David Robertson. And if he is dealt, you know, I think it's more likely he'll wind up somewhere as a setup man. So that would kind of tank his value. But yeah. filling in for the Cubs, Rowan Wick has four saves this season but hasn't been great. Michael Givens has the experience, and then you have uh, Scott Efros, who has been the best of the three. So who do you think would take over for the Cubs if Robertson is moved? Yeah, I would guess it would be Wick, just given how they've used him so far. But yeah, like you said, he hasn't been particularly good. The walks have been high, almost one uh, per every other inning, I guess. Um you know, strikeouts are fine, but I, I think Rowan Wick probably just not particularly good. And, and for what it's worth, he's, you know, in his fifth year in the majors, he's probably got maybe a year or two on his uh, arbitration timeline. So he's entirely 
within it's entirely within the realm of possibility that he's a trade candidate mm. as is michael Givens. frankly you know th- this is True. the kind of thing where you know it's not just the closers who are at risk of getting traded when you're talking about bad teams it's anyone who might have some value and so you know i want to preface the conversation by saying what scott and i said during that mailbag which is i don't necessarily know if any of these situations are guys you want to speculate on ahead of time because one bad teams tend to have bad bullpens and so there's not exactly a ton of options on you know a team like the cubs where even like the guys who are having good seasons like michael Givens and and scott efferis i don't think any of them are so good that you can't miss out on them um so i would guess if Robertson gets traded and everybody else stays. Rowan Wick will get the first chance, but he'd be pretty low on the priority list in terms of who to add. Or it could just wind up being total chaos, like you mentioned, Chris, and it's like yeah. the, the Elmo gif with the fire in the background and everyone's <laughs> traded and, and Scott yeah. Frost is the, is the last one there. And his numbers are pretty good. So I, I think he's the one yeah. that I'm paying attention to most, but there would have to be a lot of moving parts for that to happen. I, I do agree. I think if Rowan Wick is there after the trade deadline, he probably gets the first chance. For the Rockies, Daniel Bard has actually had a great season. I don't know that they will trade him, but I think there's a possibility that they can look into it. And there's a much more clear replacement here, Chris, in Alex Calame, assuming they don't move him as well. Yeah, the the Rockies are one of those teams that I feel like they don't make the trade that you expect them to at the deadline all that often. And so... You know, there's a reason why Charlie Blackman is still there and all these guys who you would think, like CJ Crone would be another guy who you would think would be a trade candidate, but the Rockies never seem to be that forward thinking. But yeah, Colome has been a closer before. He's been, you know, frankly, a pretty good one. He's not the typical closer in that he doesn't get a ton of strikeouts. And, and it feels like when he's been the closer, there have been a lot of like, uh, kind of just feels like he's going to lose it at some point um, with him. And that's you know kind of what happened last year with the Twins. So I think it's entirely possible that he becomes the closer if Daniel Bard does get traded. But I'm not, again, yeah, I would rather have him than anybody on the Cubs, I think, if that did happen. But, um, you know, not like I'm going out and adding Alex Colomay. He doesn't get a lot of strikeouts. He's... You know, always going to have a fairly high whip, and he plays a course half the time. So, yeah. you know, even if he remains the closer and does a good job, he could have an ERA around four. Yeah, and if both of them are traded, we're probably looking at uh, Carlos yeah. Estevez once again. And yeah, we all kind of saw how, bad. how that happened last year. Very high ERA, but I know people are desperate for saves down the stretch. Yeah, the Marlins. I don't think the Marlins will move anyone, Chris, but. Tanner Scott has kind of faltered a bit lately, and Anthony Bass mm-hmm. remains their best reliever. Do you think that's something we could see in the second half? Anthony Bass, the more traditional right-handed reliever, you know, start to work his way into the closer role. Yeah, I mean, remember when they traded for Bass, it was with the intention of making him the closer last uh, season. He got about a week in the job and then blew it. And has actually been quite good since that like first yeah. two weeks of last season. Um, he's been exceptional this season. He's probably their best reliever. Scott... You know, he's a weird player because he's a lefty, but he does get a ton of strikeouts and also gives up a ton of walks. So I don't know, you know, how good you feel about him as a closer. So it it wouldn't surprise me if not just Tanner Scott loses his job because of a a trade, but just loses his job for not being effective. 
Right. Um, so yeah, that's, that's certainly one to keep an eye on. And yeah, I think I would have a lot of interest in Anthony Bass. I think he's probably the best pitcher among the three teams we've talked about so far. Yeah, I would agree with that as well. And obviously, he's not a great team. They're all right, but uh, a great ballpark, great venue to pitch in as mm-hmm. well there in Marlins Park. Uh, the Diamondbacks, does any team want Mark Melanson <laughs> this year and for $6 million next year? I don't think so, but stranger things have happened. So if he were moved, uh, Ian Kennedy is currently hurt, but I think if he returned, he would get an opportunity. Joe Mantiply, all-star Joe Mantiply, he's a lefty, but doesn't walk anyone, and, he, and he's been really good. Uh, do you think anything happens with the D-backs? I mean, I think they'd probably have to eat a significant amount of money to get Melanson out of the picture. But, you know, if they could get a decent prospect out of it, I, I think it makes sense for them to do. So, sure, I, I think there's a chance he gets traded. And, and Mantiply has been very non-traditional in terms of what you look for for a closer. He's not, you know, uh, he doesn't get like a ton of strikeouts. He doesn't throw super hard he's a lefty but he's been incredibly effective this season he was pretty good last season so i think if he got the job you know it would be i'd be somewhat interested in him the nationals are awful this season chris but tanner rainey recently went down for injury he's likely out for the rest of the season kyle finnegan profiles as the next closer up and he was okay in the role last year but I don't know that any team is going to come knocking for really any of the Nationals relievers. But if it were to happen, you know, Carl Edwards has has been okay. And I guess that's the one that I would speculate on. But this is just a really bad team as well. Yeah, I mean, like 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 I said earlier, that none of these situations are ones where I would be looking to add someone before a trade happens. Unless it, like, starts to look imminent. But right now, speaking you know, more than two weeks away from the deadline. There's nobody here that I would add. You know, Kyle Finnegan is, I think, fine is the right word for him. I think he's probably, you know, an average-ish reliever. I think Carl Edwards Jr. is probably about the same. Um, We've seen some good seasons from him. We've seen some really, really bad seasons from him. Um, So I I wouldn't be terribly excited about him. And and look, that's, that's the case with all these teams. They're bad teams. They don't have an abundance of talent. So for the most part of the teams we've talked about, I think Anthony Bass would be clearly the most interesting if he became the closer. And I think he probably has the best chance of just becoming a closer of any of the people we've talked about. Yeah, I think so too. Uh, The Angels are interesting, Chris, because obviously they've underperformed, even though they have two players constantly making history. Well, one for sure in in Otani, but they're not a good team. And they have Rysel Iglesias, who's kind of struggled this season. I don't know that they'll be able to move him because he signed to a four-year contract three years after this season. So it might be tough to move that contract. But, you know, if some team steps up, like the Red Sox, per se, where they are a bigger market and they could use a a proven closer, I could see it happening. So if it does, Ryan Tapera is probably the next one up for the Angels. Yeah, and and for what it's worth, I I have no concerns about Rysel Iglesias. You know, the, the ERA is a little high. There have been some hiccups but for the most part i think he's going to be very good moving forward and so whether it's with the angels or with another team i i have no real concerns about uh rizal iglesias ryan tapera is pretty mediocre so i wouldn't be super excited about him but yeah if he gets the opportunity i mean the it's weird because rizal iglesias only had 34 saves last year despite leading the majors in games finished and that's the second time he's done that, actually. He's 
led the majors in games finished twice in the last four seasons. And he finished with 34 saves both times because for whatever reason during throughout his career, really, he's not, he's never been a guy who gets huge numbers of saves. His teams use him in non-save situations. They use him for multiple innings. Although I think that's been happening less this season. So yeah, I don't know if that's just a Rizal Iglesias thing or an Angels thing. Um, but Tapera would be, I think, fine if, if he got that job. I don't think it's likely that these players will be moved because they have so much team control. But again, weird things happen around the trade deadline, and you'll be surprised. The Tigers, Gregory Soto is there, and obviously it's been a letdown of a season for Detroit. I think if anything were to, to happen, you know, Michael Fulmer would be the next man up. The Royals, they have Scott Barlow. He's actually been tremendous this season, but mm-hmm. they're not great. I think he has like three more years of team control. Josh Stallmont, we've seen get some saves earlier in the season, or even Taylor Clark, I think is a name to pay attention to there. The Pirates have kind of leaked that they're not going to move David Bednar, and I don't think that they will, but let's just say that they're blown away. Uh, Yeri De Los Santos is the one that has uh, picked up saves whenever Bednar is unavailable. And the Orioles, I know the Orioles are one of the best stories in the first half, but you know maybe they go on a 10-game losing streak leading up to the trade deadline, mm-hmm. and, and it turns out they want to move Jorge Lopez. It's, I think he also has two or three years of team control, so it's not likely, but Felix Bautista has been very, very good behind him. Uh, Chris, do you think any of these um, closers under team control could be moved lead, leading up to the deadline? I mean, I think Bednar... You know, if I were running the Pirates, I would move him just because he's been a little shaky lately. He had that uh, back issue for a little while that, you know, I think you can be a little worried about. But I, I think all of them are unlikely. Um, the the Orioles, the bullpen's arguably been the strength of that team. They've got a really, really good bullpen between Jorge Lopez, Felix Bautista. Dylan Tate has a two five five ERA as a kind of multi-inning guy CNL Perez has a really good has really good numbers as well so that's actually one where man they've got like I didn't realize they've got like six guys in their bullpen with an ERA below 2-5 yeah really impressive um but yeah I think Bautista has looked really really impressive and if he got a chance I think he could be very good um I like what he's done so far he throws super hard so if something happened to Jorge Lopez you know, whether it's a trade or an injury, um, I don't think performance would be an issue at this point. Uh, Bautista would definitely be someone I'd be interested in. All right. Which teams could be in the market for a closer? I think the Minnesota Twins are like the top of the top. Obviously, they have Yohan Duran, but they've been so hesitant to move him into the closer role. I think he would be fine if they give him that opportunity, but they seem to like to use him in, in high leverage situations. Yeah. And Emilio Pagan has been a dumpster fire. The Boston Red Sox, Tanner Houck has emerged and he's been fine, uh, but maybe they want someone with a little bit more experience. The Cardinals, Ryan Helsley has been very good in his role. Giovanni Gallegos, not so much. It's shaky. Again, maybe they want someone with more experience. The Phillies, they signed Corey Knable. That didn't work out. They're kind of using this tandem of Sir Anthony Dominguez and Brad Hand, which I think could work. Knable got a save last week too. Yes, yes. And it was like, I think the day after both Hand and, and Dominguez had worked. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it's they're kind of going committee right now. But again, maybe they want someone that's uh, a little bit more proven there. And I'll just throw this name out there, the Padres. Just because Taylor Rogers has struggled recently, the underlying numbers are still pretty good. But I think I saw his last 
18 or 19 appearances. He has an ERA over eight, something like that. So it's really surprising. And Taylor Rogers has struggled. Uh, Chris, do you disagree, agree that these teams make the most sense? Is, is there someone I missed maybe? No, I think those teams make the most sense. Looking around, I, I, I don't know. Like the Rays, I think, are always a candidate to make a trade. I don't necessarily think it would be for a closer, but we've seen them, you know, in the last couple of years pick up high leverage relievers. So that one's a possibility. I thought maybe the Mariners, if they want a proven guy, but Seawald has been good. Oh, see, I think Seawald's one of the best relievers in baseball. It's just, yeah. you know, it took them such a long time to settle on him as a closer that it could be like the Twins thing where, you know, maybe it's just they prefer Seawald in a more flexible role. Although, you know, part of that is they, they do have a strong bullpen in, in its own right, too. So it's not like they're in desperate need of another guy. And, and maybe the Dodgers, that's a team that takes a lot of swings. Obviously, you know, it would have to be like, Kimbrell has been just really mediocre this mm-hmm. season. Um, so, but I think it would still probably have to be more like an injury, but we did just see Bruce star Gratterall go on the IL with a shoulder injury as we're recording July 14th. Um, they have a strong bullpen, but it's a, it's a very much like a no name bullpen kind of situation. Like Evan Phillips got a save the other day. I think he was a, was he a rule five pick or did they pick him up off, off uh, minor league free agency or something? Like he's been awesome for them, but Craig Kimbrell's got like kind of like the only guy you've heard of there. So, um, you know, if if something happened to Kimbrell, or even if they just wanted to solidify the back end of that bullpen, you know, it, the the Dodgers are I think a wild card. Although uh, Blake Trinan did throw a bullpen session in recent days, so he's working his way back. Mm-hmm. I'll throw the Rangers in this mix as well. I know they're kind sure. of battling for a wild card spot. Uh, Brett Martin has been good for them this season, and, and he seems entrenched as their closer for now but again maybe they want someone who has done it a little bit longer than him let's take a look at some pitchers who may be on an innings cap this season and and chris i mean this is pretty hard to predict obviously we can use data from years past and look at you know which pitchers uh didn't throw as many innings last year and now maybe have jumped into the rotation or pitching really well in the case of shane mcclanahan but before we do that Is this convo overblown? Because we had similar concerns about Corbin Burns entering last season, and he went from less than 60 innings in 2020 to 173 total in 2021, and he's been fine. He was fine in 2021. He's been fine so far here in 2022. Every pitcher is different. I get that. But do you think maybe this conversation is a little bit overblown in fantasy? I think it is in a couple of respects. I think for one thing, it's not just often we just look at the the previous season and say, well, he only threw six. But like Corbin Burns only threw 60 innings in 2020 because he could only throw 60 innings in 2020. It was a shortened season. The year before that, he made 38 appearances, uh, 40 appearances between the majors and minors. 11 of them were starts. He threw, let me see, 120. 26 innings in 2018 so like 145 in 2017 so Corbin Burns was someone who had shown the ability to pitch deep in the games and there had been some injuries but it wasn't it wasn't like he had just never thrown 100 innings in his professional career or in like Spencer Strider's never thrown 100 innings in a season at any level you know not college not the minors so like I think it's a bigger concern for Spencer Strider 
And for what it's worth, there were some times when the Brewers skipped Corbin Burns last season. He only made 28 starts. So I think he had a they, COVID a COVID situation or something where he missed time. Yeah. I think. Okay, yeah. But they're there because he made 13 second half starts. So, you know, it could have been with that. But yeah, I think it's um, potentially like, I don't know. It, there's also the innings the, or the injury risk for every pitcher. Like the risk for injury is so high. Even just like a two week minimum stay on the, on the disabled list for, you know, if Shane McClanahan just has dead arm for two weeks, you know, that, which is something that happened, I guess, Blake Snell, it was a foot injury during his Cy Young campaign that uh, sidelined him for a little while. Um, but like that kind of thing, like these things tend to work themselves out. I think it's unlikely Shane McClanahan throws 195 innings in the regular season just because it's the Rays and they nobody throws 195 innings for them, generally speaking, unless you're Charlie Morton or you know Tyler Glass now was kind of on pace for that before he got hurt. But the thing with McClanahan is I've talked about it a lot, but it's the the pitch counts are so low for him that if he keeps pitching the way he is, I don't think the innings are going to matter so much because the pitch counts, he's only thrown a hundred innings once or a hundred pitches in a, in a game once this season. Um, he's had a lot of like 93, 94 pitch starts where he's gone six or seven innings. And if he can, if, like if we think Shane McClanahan is one of the three best pitchers in baseball, then the innings might be there just because he's so efficient. Yeah. So it's more of a, total pitches thrown thing for Shane McClanahan rather than innings. And yeah, it just, yeah. he's, he's working so easy through his starts right now that like, if things slow down, if he is a three ERA pitcher, then rather than a one seven ERA pitcher, he's probably not going to pitch six innings per start just because he's going to face more batters. And they're probably, I don't think they're going to let him go a hundred pitches routinely. So yeah. it's sort of tied to how well he pitches. All right. So I guess put a bow on Shane O'Mac. Would you be looking to sell high right now? I think, you, yeah. I think he's... I have him ranked like seventh at starting pitcher, and I think most people have him ranked third. So I, I think he is a sell high candidate. I think he's awesome. I think he's amazing. But yeah, I think there's both regression and some concern for, you know, some slowdown in terms of his innings totals. Would you move him for Zach Wheeler straight up, pitcher for pitcher? Uh, so I do have... McClanahan ranked higher. Um, I, I think a more interesting one would be like McClanahan for Sandy, but I don't, I don't hate the idea, but I would rather have McClanahan. Yeah. I think, look, if you're really trying to cash in on Shay McClanahan, don't just sell him for the sake of selling him again. Like every yes, time we bring up this conversation, it's sell high. I think the way that I would look for it, Chris is I would try to get maybe like a top 15 or top 20 ish pitcher and then maybe also help my hitting somehow, like yeah. a, a two-for-one. Get two players in return for your Shane McClanahan. Something like a, you get Julio Arias or Brandon Woodruff and then like a top you know, 50 hitter. Like Nick McClanahan or uh, <laughs> Nick Castellanos. Yeah, like Nick, you know, would, would you do that? that? I would, would think of. Would you trade your Shane O'Mac for Nick Castellanos and Brandon Woodruff? I think so, yeah. That's, it would be tough. It seems pretty fair, but like. Woodruff is pretty awesome in his own right, you know? Yeah, it seems like a pretty fair trade. Uh, let's move on down the list here. I, I don't think that Otani is in danger of an innings limit, but I, I do just wonder if maybe the Angels shut him down from pitching at some point, Chris, just because they fall out of it, and obviously he's one of the most prized assets in all of baseball. 
and they want him to be healthy for next year. Like, is that something you could see happening, or do they just let him go and, and chase back-to-back MVPs? I I think he'd have to get hurt for anything to happen there. I think the the uproar over a healthy Shohei Otani not playing would be yeah. just out, outrageously high. So, no, I, I don't think so. This one is not as much of an innings cap. I'm just worried more about the health. Pablo Lopez mm-hmm. has never thrown more than 111 and a third innings in the major leagues, and he's already close to exceeding that total. He has a history of shoulder trouble, and he really hasn't been the same over the past month or so. Mm-hmm. Would you try and trade Pablo Lopez while he's still healthy? Yeah, and I, I think you could look at Zach Allen in, in, in a similar way. You know, two guys who come into the season with a lot of injury question marks. They've managed to stay healthy so far, but the production has been up and down for both of them. And I think it, it's not like I'm not saying an injury is imminent for either because I, I wouldn't be surprised if they both got hurt in their next start or if they made it through the rest of the season without injury. You know, they're, they're pitchers, and a big part of that is over the long term, injuries are predictable for pitchers. Every pitcher is going to get hurt at some point. It, it happens. It's just the nature of the game. And pitchers who have been hurt in the past, like Zach Allen and Pablo Lopez, are more likely to be hurt in the future. But... You know, whether that means in the next three months or the next three years is a different question. So I think you might have missed your best sell high window for both Pablo Lopez and and Zach Allen already. So that would be the one reason why I might stick with them and just ride it out, because I think they'll pitch better than they have over the last month or so. Um, So if that's weighing on people's minds, then, yeah, I think you can hold on to them. I think pitcher for pitcher trades are are generally pretty hard to pull off, but if you can sell Pablo for someone who's maybe not as good on a per-inning basis, but gives you more more volume, someone who's ranked just mm-hmm. a little bit lower, like a Logan Webb or a Framber Valdez. Luis Castillo. Is that something you would look into doing? I think it's interesting, yeah. I, I think like Framber, especially in a head-to-head points league, is really, really valuable because he just goes deep into his games so often. He's kind of a you know, a, a an off-peak Dallas Keuchel in a lot of ways. Um, and Logan Webb kind of is too. Um, so I think those are both interesting because I think they'll both, you know, they're both better bets for innings than Pablo Lopez is moving forward. Tony Gonsolin, he is the Catman. Chris, what do you think about the song Scatman? You a fan? That's a song. Whenever I heard that song when I was a child, I would go crazy. Anyway, Tony Gonsolin... <laughs> He's at uh, 93 and two-thirds innings at the time of recording this, and he only threw 72 and a third total innings in 2021. That was the minors, the majors, postseason all combined. He did throw 128 in the minors back in 2018, so we kind of have a bit of a Corbin Burns situation mm-hmm. going on here, Chris, where he's he's kind of done it in the minors at some point, but didn't do it in 2021. What do you think about Gonsolin? And, and Gonsolin, you know, he made 24 appearances in 2019, so I'm assuming there was something going on where he missed a little bit of time. 2021, he missed quite a bit of time to start the season with a shoulder issue. So I don't, I don't think it's as clear-cut as Corbin Burns, where Corbin Burns had definitely done it before multiple times um, and made it through a full season staying healthy, just not necessarily picking up the big inning totals. So I, I think there's definitely some risk for Gonsolin, especially pitching for the the Dodgers, a team that has been, you know, very 
it's weird, like aggressive in not being aggressive, I guess <laughs> it's the way I would put it. And, and he's yeah. another guy like Shane McClanahan. He's yet to throw 100 pitches in a start. He only has a, a season high of 96. And that was in a, his most recent start, actually, as we're speaking, his five-inning, five-run start uh, on Wednesday night. So, yeah, I mean, I think we'll see him throw 100 pitches at some point this season, but it's kind of like where Walker Buehler was a couple of years ago, where they're probably going to handle him with kids' gloves. And when he inevitably regresses, you know, he's got a 2.02 ERA as we're speaking with a 3.39 FIP. Now he's outperformed his expected stats pretty consistently in terms of his FIP throughout his career. So I think he can continue to do that. But if he pitches more like a three RA pitcher, he's probably not going to go more than six innings most of the time out. Would you look to turn him in for a veteran who you don't have as many concerns about someone like a Charlie Morton concerns in terms of innings, not (laughs) look performance is a whole different thing for Charlie Morton, but yeah, someone like Morton or like Luke, uh, Lucas Giolito or like you Darvish, for example, that's, that's, the fascinating that you bring those guys up because here's my rankings. 24, Giolito, 25, Robbie Ray, 26, Charlie Morton, 27, Tony Gonsolin, 28, U Darvish. That's in head-to-head points leagues, which I think is Gonsolin's worst, uh, worst format because of the, the aforementioned innings limitations. But that's a really hard, that would be a really hard trade to make because they're all also within like 12 spots in the overall rankings for me. Um, so it's, that would be tough. I think Gonsolin will probably be better than most of those guys on a per inning basis, but it's not a guarantee. Like, Lucas Giolito has been really good for most of his career with the White Sox, especially. Um, I guess he never pitched with the, the Nationals and the Majors, but the last, like, three or four seasons. Uh, Robbie Ray has looked really good recently, so I, I think I would move Charlie Mo- or Tony Gonsolin for Giolito or Robbie Ray, maybe less so Charlie Morton or Hugh Darvish. All right, a couple other names here. Spencer Strider, you already mentioned, Chris, has not hit 100 innings in at any point in his career. Mm-hmm. Christian Javier, someone we spoke about last week, who is currently at 78 and a third innings. He threw 112 last season in 2021, so maybe not as much concern with him. And a few other names. Joe Ryan, Michael Kopech, Mackenzie Gore. I think we're already kind of seeing that transition to the bullpen. And Rowanzi Contreras. A lot of names here, Chris. Is there one or two that you are worried about with an innings cap and, and maybe look to try and trade right now while you can? I think the thing with Strider is that it, the thing that you would be worried about moving forward is, has already happened. You know, he pitched out of the bullpen for the first two months of the season. So if he makes, I don't know, 14 more starts and averages five innings per start, that puts him at like 140 innings for the season, which feels like a little a, li- a little over what you would expect with 96 last season, especially if they're you know, going to use him in the postseason, which you would assume they will. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised if we see them skip him. You know, they've got some guys in the minors that they could call up and, you know, skip Spencer Strider twice. And maybe he makes 12 starts down the stretch and, and throws 60 more innings. And that, and that might be a little more manageable. All right. Anyone else here that concerns you of the Javier, Joe Ryan, Kopech, Rowanzi Contreras group? You've got Michael Kopech there. I think that that's a, an interesting one. Also, just because he hasn't been very good mm-hmm. of late. He's kind of a fastball-only guy right now, and his fastball has been getting hit hard. So, you know, I think that's one that I wouldn't be surprised if they transitioned back to the bullpen or gave him some time off at some point, especially if they, you know, continue to trend towards not making the playoffs. Um, so that that's one. And then, uh, let me see. 
I'm sure there are some others. Yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to take up too much dead air <laughs> here, so I'll. Uh, I'll just pass it on. All right, fair enough. Before we hit the break, just a reminder that we are a nominee for the best sports podcast category in the People's Choice Podcast Awards. We appreciate all your support and hope that you'll nominate us to advance to the final round. To nominate Fantasy Baseball today, go to podcastawards.com slash app slash sign up and then toggle down the sports category. The whole process takes less than one minute. And if you're watching us on YouTube, feel free to scan the QR code right to the right of Chris's head, and uh, that will pull up the website right there on your phone where you can, of course, help nominate FBT. We've included the link in the podcast and YouTube descriptions as well. Let's take a break, and we'll talk sell-high options here after the break. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, sell high options here on Fantasy Baseball Today. We've, I guess, is kind of a natural transition because the previous segment was kind of talking about selling high on pitchers that we might have some innings concerns about. But, Chris, outside of the innings concerns, are there any performance concerns? Start with a pitcher, someone that you might be looking to sell high here going into the second half. Yeah, here, let me, let me pull up the rankings because that'll be the best way to do it. Let's just look at... Who's overperforming, and then we'll we'll go from there. So, uh, Nestor Cortez, we've already seen it a little bit. So, you know, I right. don't know if if he counts anymore. Um, Logan Gilbert is an interesting one because I think he's good, but I'm not like a hundred percent sold that he's going to remain super effective moving forward. He's got a 280 ERA. I don't think he's that good. It wouldn't surprise me if you know rest of season his ERA was a run higher. And that's not necessarily a knock on him. It's just, you know, his 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 FIP is 3.6. His ERA is 280. So that that seems like a situation where some regression could happen and, and might hurt you. There are some really obvious ones, like Miles Michaelis, who I just don't believe in at all. I think, you know, he, he can be useful, but he's got a 282 or 262 ERA. I think he'll definitely be worse moving forward. Um Martin Perez is another one. Again, I don't know how much you're going to get for him. Uh, you, you you just pissed off uh, all of Rangers fandom, Chris. They're coming for yeah, you. Yeah, Ty, uh, Taiwan Walker has a really good ERA, and we saw something similar from him last season. I think he was an all-star last year and then was yeah. just a disaster in the second half. Um, Shane Bieber, if people are viewing him as like an ace-ace again, because I think he's more like in the 13 to 15 range, he, he's one of those guys who hasn't really moved in my rankings all that much. Um, I think he was 13 coming into the season, and he's 13 now. Um, Corey Kluber uh, Nick, is a name. Uh, Corey Kluber carries yeah. some weight just in name value, and, you know, his his underlying numbers are not nearly as good as his surface numbers, so I don't know how yeah. much you'll get for a Corey Kluber, but you know, in a deeper league where someone needs pitching, you might be able to get like a a decent bat, a, a starting worthy bat in exchange for Corey Kluber. Yeah, and we mentioned it in a recent podcast, but Paul Blackburn, you know, he, he's kind <laughs> yeah. of fallen off. I don't know if he really counts as a sell high anymore because the last like eight starts have been a disaster for him, but 
he's a sell high candidate for sure. Um, yeah, I think that's a that's a decent number of names that we can go with. Fair enough. Let's move over to uh, some potential sell high hitters. And I have one here, Chris. You tell me what you think about the logic. CJ Crone. Okay. CJ Crone, who is having an amazing first half with the Rockies. The of the final sixty nine games the Rockies play this season, thirty nine of them come on the road. So only thirty home games left. Yeah, it's still a good amount, but you know, proportionately, there are oh, that's, <laughs> a decent yeah. amount more road games than there are home games, and and the splits are crazy for yeah, a lot like a of the hitters. OPS point, but especially for CJ Crone. So, yeah. what do you think about potentially selling high on him? I think that makes perfect sense. I mean, he he's just not all that good away from cores. We've seen that the last couple of seasons. I don't think he's like. I don't think if he played for another team, he would be a sub seven hundred OPS bat like he looks like, but. You know, clearly the the majority, an overwhelming majority of his value comes from the half of the time he spends at Coors Field. So I think he's a perfectly viable sell high candidate. Brandon Jury, I'm not sure how much you can get for him, but he continues to rank highly at like three different positions. So I, I think he's one. Um, and, if, and if he's traded, Chris, his home road splits yes. this season, he's been so much better in Great American Ballpark. Yeah, absolutely. Um Ty France is another one. I don't know if he'll be as good as he has been. Although what about, that slowdown has kind of already happened. What about Charlie Blackman, another Rockies hitter? Sure. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's. Uh, I think Charlie Blackman is kind of fringy as is. So he's having a good with year. More man. road games. <laughs> he's having a decent. You know, he's hitting what two seventy something with 11, 12 home runs. Like he's having an okay year. I think he's up to fourteen when we we're recording. This. Fourteen home runs. Like, All right. Well, low key. Been, either way, been really he's, good. He's playing fifty seven percent of his games away from Coors Field the rest of the season. Yeah. So, I just think that's an obvious sell candidate. Um, Chris, if you could turn CJ Crone, yeah, you know, I'm I'm trying to do the reverse of what we did earlier in the season, trying sure. to sell hitters for pitchers now. Do you think mm-hmm. Giolito or Charlie Morton is a fair return for Crone, or would you want to ask for more? Uh, I would take both of those pitchers for CJ Crone. Okay. I think that's a perfectly fair return. Okay. And, and if you need a hitter, I think some clear by lows like Nick Castellanos, Marcelo yeah, Zuna. Castellanos is the first one I come, I come to mind, yeah. Yeah. Marcelo Zuna, do you think that's enough for CJ Crone? I have Crone ranked higher, but it's not a massive gap. So I think that'd be fine, but it would probably be a situation where I, I want another piece in addition to, uh, Marcelo Zuna. Yeah. Luis Arias. I think he's very good, but he's not a three forty six hitter, even as good of a contact guy as he is, you know, he's been a good contact hitter his whole career and he's been like a 300 hitter and he's been pretty fringy as a 300 hitter. And maybe you can argue that he's been overlooked for fantasy as a result of that. But I generally think if he goes back to being a 300 hitter, like I think he will, he's going to be much fringier than he has been. Probably missed your sell high window on Austin Hayes. Probably missed your sell high window on Taylor Ward. But I think both of those guys, if you could get something valuable for them, I would do. Um, yeah. I think that's a good list. Yeah. And you mentioned Arise. Let's move into our final segment here today. Category targets for the second half. If you need batting average, <laughs> there is no better help than Luis Arise. Obviously, you'd mm-hmm. have to do that via trade. Uh, I've noticed he has doubled his barrel rate this year. So I think he's hitting the ball harder in the air when yes. he does put it in the air. And that has led to, you know, uh, a mere four home runs. But <laughs> his OPS is, you know, 
over 850. It's pretty impressive so far. So I do think he'll slow down a little bit, but like if you need batting average, there is no bigger help than Luis Arise. On the lower end, Ahmed Rosario mentioned this last on one of our podcasts last week. He's batting like 320 over the past like two months. So mm-hmm. he's I think he's a batting average help. And in deeper leagues, he's just available. Harold Ramirez, your boy. Yeah, I think Harold Ramirez seems like a you know, Luis Arias kind of player. You're not going to get much beyond batting average, although I think there's a little more power there. Uh, but yeah, I think he's pretty good. I'll point out um, Kbert Ruiz, you know, continues to run very good expected batting averages with a 258 average. He's got a 300 expected batting average. Again, I don't think there's much power there, but I think there's probably more pop than he's shown. Alec Bohm is another one who... The production has been pretty mediocre, and he's dealing with an injury as we speak, I think. But, you know, if he's okay, I think he will hit better than, than he has moving forward. So I think he can be pretty useful uh, for batting average as well. All right. If you need home runs, I have two Brewers hitters here who might actually just be available in your league as free agents. Rowdy Telez and Hunter Renfro. I think, you know, they've, they've proven that they are yeah. legitimate power hitters at this point. Uh, Chris, obviously there are a bunch of power hitters in the game, but maybe anyone that catches your eye that you'd be looking to acquire. Marcelo Zuna. Yeah. Um, you know, we mentioned him already. I think he's one of the better buy low candidates in baseball. I want to say someone like Trey Mancini, who's got a very big difference between his slug and X slug, but he obviously plays in a very bad park now for right-handed power. So I'm not sure whether that's going to manifest. Um, Christian Walker, I mean, he's been a good power hitter this season without much batting average. I think he'll continue to be a good power hitter who will hit for a better average moving forward. And uh, this is more of a buy low, but Jesse Winker, I think, will be a much better source of power moving forward than he has been. And we've already seen that over the past couple of games. All right. I think most of the time, whenever we talk about home run hitters, you'll be able to use that for RBI contributors as well. So if you're looking for that, Jose Abreu is routinely one of the best RBI hitters in the game. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's he's actually underperformed this year in that yeah, regard. Yeah, weirdly has not been this year. Yeah, but he's still hitting for high batting average, decent pop, not as good as he used to. I would imagine... Actually walking a lot this yeah. year, relatively speaking. You know, the White Sox has lineup... a career high OBP. The lineup around him has not been great. So you know, maybe no. opposing pitchers are, are just kind of pitching around Jose Abreu a little bit more. Uh, but he stood but out. I think that'll be fine moving forward. And Vinny Pasquantino, you know, if they if they start to go into this youth movement and Bobby mm-hmm. Witt has been awesome and MJ Melendez like leading off, eventually they'll get Salvador Perez back. And, and actually, Nick Prado actually got called up for the series in Toronto. I would expect it's just for the series in Toronto with how many yeah. players they have on the restricted list. But, you know, wouldn't mind seeing him get some extended run, too. Yeah, but if Vinny P is right in the middle of all that action, then, you know, could be some RBI opportunities for him. Well, and then, go ahead. You know, broken record, but Nick Castellanos. Yeah, sure. You know, well, he's going to hit better, and the the RBI will be there. Run scored. Brandon Nimmo is someone who routinely leads off for the New York Mets, and I think they might go out and try and add a hitter uh, around yeah. the trade deadline. So look, their lineup is great regardless. They've got Lindor, they've got Pete Alonso, uh, so I do think Nimmo will continue to score quite a bit. Alec Thomas for the Arizona Diamondbacks could just be available as a free agent. Uh, Ramon Laureano, we talk about a lot recently. I think mm-hmm. he probably gets traded somewhere, and that should help his uh, run total as well. Anyone Absolutely. else for you on the runs? Uh, I mean, you're looking for 
like I think Nimmo's a good example of a guy who hits lead off on a good offense, but doesn't necessarily do a ton else to to make fantasy players excited. Um, you know, we'll see when Enrique Hernandez gets back where he bats in the lineup because Jared Durant's been hitting lead off for them, but Hernandez was. Did he end up scoring 90, 90 plus runs last season? I think he ended up. It was close to it. Close to it, yeah. So, you know, we'll see with him if he gets back soon and uh, and is hitting at the top of the lineup. If not, I mean, Jaron Durant. I don't know, you know, what his role is going to look like moving forward, but he is hitting leadoff, and I think will be pretty good. All right. Yes, uh, Enrique Hernandez, eighty-four runs scored in twenty twenty. In one hundred and thirty-four games. Yeah. Yeah. So that was uh, yeah on pace for over ninety steals. Jorge Mateo does not offer much else other than steals, but he does yeah. run quite a bit and he does play often for Baltimore. John Birdie, I know he's dealing with an injury now, so by the time you're listening to this, he could be on the IL, but he is the preeminent uh, steals source in fantasy baseball this year. Yep. I think O'Neill Cruz, some of the luster might have fallen off a little bit right now, Chris, and, and I, I think he's going to run more in the second half. Obviously, he's a freak athlete. And one more player that you can look to acquire while he's hurt... I think it's still going to cost you quite a bit, but Jazz Chisholm, I could see sure. if he returns and he's healthy, you know, maybe contribute something like 10 to 15 steals the rest of the way. I mean, Whit Merrifield, I know he's been bad, but he's still running at a decent pace. He's on like a 25 steal pace. And I think if he'll probably hit better than he has moving forward, you know, he's hitting 240 despite not striking out much. So if he's more like a 270 hitter like he was last year, uh, I think the, steal- the stolen base pace will pick up for him. And, um, yeah, uh, I don't know. I would have said Miles Straw if he was able to hit at all, but he's not. Um, Isaiah Kiner-Falefa seems like he might not be playing every day at some point. There's been you know a lot of talk about the rain, the Yankees trying to upgrade there. So, um, yeah, I do like the the O'Neill Cruz call because I think he's gonna, you know, I think he'll run when he gets you know going as well. On the topic of IKF, he was brought in to be a great fielder for the Yankees, mm-hmm. and he actually grades out pretty bad as a as a fielder this season. And he's had a lot of trouble throwing from shortstop. And uh, if for some reason they look to call up one of their middle infield prospects, I don't think that they will do it with Anthony Volpe because he's still in Double A. He hasn't played Triple A mm-hmm. yet. But Oswald Peraza, if they give him an opportunity, yeah. he's someone that could actually run a little bit as well. So. Uh, keep him in mind with the New York Yankees. Let's move over to the pitching side of things, and it's pretty hard to find wins, Chris. I mean, it's, yeah. you know, target pitchers on good teams, I guess, that go deep into their starts. That seems pretty straightforward, but uh, you're going to notice a theme. John Gray is <laughs> on a lot of yeah. th- these lists right now for a pitcher to buy. Rangers have decent run support. He goes deep into his starts. I like the idea of that. Tywin Walker, I do think that there will be some regression, but he's another one. He goes pretty deep into his starts, pitches more to contact, and plays for a good team. And our favorite, Chris, Marco Gonzalez, everyone's favorite streamer. He goes deep into his starts. The Mariners are hot. I could see some wins. Maybe the ratio is not so great. Yeah, I, I think, you know, a, a sneaky thing that you can do is is some of these multi-inning relievers. You know, we've seen Michael King has six, Adam Simber has eight. Um, so, you know, those multi-inning relievers, Michael Givens has five. I'm not saying to target the multi-inning relievers who already have wins because that's not predictable. Um, but those guys who, 
Like Michael King, I think is just a, a good fantasy option right now. You know, I'm not saying he's a must roster player, but I've got him, I think in two of my 15 team Roto leagues, just cause he's getting a decent number of saves. He's got a good, a decent chance at a win every week. So, you know, he's not going to get a win every week, but he's got a decent chance. So, you know, that, that's, um, that's a way that you can deal with some, you know, injury issues or what have you and, and potentially steal a few wins that way as well. Chris, I feel like we bring up the Spider-Man meme a lot on the podcast, you know, just pointing at each other. They're the same player. But if you need strikeouts and nothing else, because they might hurt your ratios a little bit, Hunter Green and Josiah Gray, they are yeah. very similar pitchers. They walk a lot. They give up home runs, but they get a lot of strikeouts. So if you need strikeouts in particular. Fastballs. Tristan McKenzie yeah. also in that same discussion. Not quite the strikeout guy that the other two are, but yeah, very similar pitchers. I'll mention Tristan McKenzie in the whip category. If you need sure. someone to help you with whip, he goes decently far into his starts, you know, around six innings per start for him. But uh, yeah, his whip routinely, since he has uh, joined the Cleveland organization in the majors, he gives up a lot of fly balls and yep. as a result, not a lot of hits. So his whip yep. is great. And I, I think he's one of the low key best contributors in that category. ERA. I agree with you, Chris, that there will be some regression on Miles Michaelis, but I said this before the season, and I'm going to stick with it. I mean, the Cardinals, they have a really good defense, and mm -hmm. they're really good at run prevention. So their pitchers are going to have much higher, you know, FIPS and XFIPS than their actual ERAs. Yeah. But it's kind of sustainable because they have such a good defense. So uh, if you just need, like, ERA or WHIP, I think, like, Adam Wainwright and Miles Michaelis do make some sense. I think that's that's reasonable. The problem with ERA is it's kind of like home runs where ERA, you know, it's hard to find just a guy who's good at yeah. ERA predictably. Just go trade you know, for you'll a find good guys who have good <laughs> ERAs but don't do much else, but right. it's hard to do that moving forward. All right, and then saves, hey, I mean, we spent the first 15 minutes talking about saves, yeah. so I don't know that you need us to tell you anything else there. All right, we're going to wrap there. For Chris, I am Frank. Thank you all for listening and watching Fantasy Baseball today. We'll be back again on Monday. Bye-bye.